Struggling to keep track of your story and world? Archivos is for you! More intuitive than a wiki, more extensible than Scrivener, Archivos builds your story bible into your personal, always-on tactical display. Graphical relationship charting, continuity tools, this thing has it all, with bonus options for fan engagement and real-time collaboration. Archivos. Story world management done right www.archivos.digital. That's www.archivos.digital. Welcome to The Everyday Novelist. My name is J. Daniel Sawyer, author of nearly 30 books, more than 30 short stories, and numerous articles and scripts and essays, coming to you from up in the crow's nest with my spyglass on this daily voyage through the dicey waters of business, craft, learning, and art in the writing life. Welcome to The Questions, episode 1016. Today we hear from Simon, who asks, Just what is the young adult genre? Are there any tropes other than having young protagonists? Should the writing be simpler? Even though I'm not quite sure what simpler writing would mean anyway. Hmm. What makes it young adult? Interesting that you should ask that. That's a good question, Simon. It seems to me the best way to answer this is actually just to read you a passage from my book, The Secrets of the Heinlein Juvenile, which is now out and available on all fashionable ebook and paperback platforms. We haven't had a chance to do the audiobook yet, but it is coming. Here we go. YA versus Juvenile. What's the difference? While the distinction between a juvenile novel and a young adult novel is largely one of language changing over time, these changes have coincided with a few other developments worth noting. Currently, novel-length children's literature is broken up into categories by target audience, middle grade, and young adult. Middle grade books are targeted at the elementary and middle school demographic and are generally written with a highly constrained vocabulary and must stay within pretty stringent content bounds. While young adult books feature protagonists aged 14 to 19 and are ostensibly directed at a high school target audience. To understand the disjuncture from a content and convention point of view, think of the difference between the first three Harry Potter books decidedly middle grade, and the last four, all young adult novels. However, the middle grade books are, indeed, mostly read by their target audience. Young adult fiction is more frequently... not. These days, most YA books are read by, and written for, middle-aged readers on a nostalgia kick, and their content and concerns reflect this. This trend appears to be fairly new, starting with the YA boom kicked off by Harry Potter and kicking into high gear with the Twilight series by Stephanie Meyer. To brand a book as YA in the current environment requires only one factor. A teenaged protagonist. A juvenile, on the other hand, is a book meant to be read by readers ranging in age from 12 to 19, is in some sense a coming-of-age story, and is deeply embedded in the adolescent perspective and experience. The reader is meant to grow up with the protagonist. Some YA literature falls into this category, even some of it written today, and some does not. Since Heinlein's books for boys were of this sort, 
They and those like them will be referred to as juveniles throughout this volume. The terms YA and young adult will only be used when referring to the broader landscape of such books that includes, but is not limited to, juveniles. So, YA, as we generally use it on this podcast, refers to the stories with teenage protagonists that might be written for anyone from an adolescent audience to old thir- age, 35-year-old women. Yeah. <laughs> I guess that's not old anymore, is it? We're older than that now. Nope. Nope, that's not old. Sixty's <laughs> not old. It's coming fast. <laughs> um, yeah, so the the thing about YA is that at the moment, especially given the uh, the current demographics and how few younger readers there are, most YA books are written for middle-aged women. Yeah. And so um, a lot of the moral panics you see around YA literature on Twitter are because middle-aged women are annoyed that their tastes are not being catered to, um, especially their cultural, moral tastes, the moral panic of the moment, that kind of thing. Um, the things you have to keep in mind if you're actually writing with the intention of selling to a young adult audience, or to a juvenile audience, I should say, to mm-hmm. follow the conventions of what I just read, is... It has to be authentically from a teenage perspective. It doesn't have to be from a teenage perspective of today. But what's involved in a teenage perspective? Teenagers are trying to figure out how the world works. They're trying to figure out how to be in the world, how to be a decent person. and under- How to make their way into the adult world. How to make their way into the adult world how to prove themselves valuable and valuable both to their peer groups and to the pe- to the adults whose approval that they depend on for their survival, or how to buck that authority without losing access to the survival. Um, more importantly, and on a deeper psychological level that they are not quite aware of, teenagers are... The whole psychological tumult ar- around adolescence comes from two important facts. The first fact is that these people have just gone from being harmless, small, and potential victims of everything to being able to create life and take life without thinking too hard about it. They've gotten big, they've gotten strong, they've gotten sexually mature. And the second fact is they don't know how to handle it because we do not prepare them for it. The way that American and British society particularly has operated since the Victorian era is that we treat childhood as a special time that should be innocent of all of the bad things in the world, of all of the complicated things in the world, of all of the sexual things in the world. And so rather than the sort of age-appropriate exploration of all these things that kids would get, say, on the farm, where they would see animal breedings and they would deal with slaughtering their own food and they would uh, have to shoot their pet when their pet got to be too old and too sick and suffering too much and all of these things, where life and death in all of its messy glory and horror, were a regular occurrence, we now protect children from that. 
we consider those things to be corrupting influences. And so when suddenly their bodies decide, it's time to be an adult now, they have no idea how to handle what's going on. Even if they've been prepared with the facts of life. Yes, you're going to start menstruating. Yes, you're going to grow body hair. Yes, your voice is going to deepen. You're going to grow boobs, whatever it is. You're going to feel sexual urges that you haven't felt before. All of these things. You're going to be big and strong and you can't keep hitting littler people because you can actually damage them now. We can tell them the facts of life, but they have no experience. So they're going entirely on theory. And the nature of adolescence in an industrial, especially industrial middle class society, is that whether any adults around them approve of it or not, as long as these young people have any, any level of independence that is more than theoretical, theoretical being going out online, going to the library, reading about things, seeing pictures of things, watching videos of things, if they have any latitude for real, direct experience, they will take it, and they have to figure out how to integrate it. And they have to do it having no practical context. The nature of adolescence is figuring out how to cope with the fact that suddenly you are a potential murderer and a potential parent. And you can suddenly do things that have lifelong consequences, even if you're not aware of what those consequences could be, and you can't foresee how they might come about. Great young adult literature. And by great, I don't just mean literarily great stands the test of time. I wrote a whole book about what it takes to um, make liter young adult literature stand the test of time. It's called The Secrets of Highline Juvenile. I just read you a passage from it. You should go buy it. I'm not taught when I talk about great young adult literature, I'm not talking about even the stuff that stands the test of time or any of that. I'm just talking about stuff that'll hold the audience, that will entertain them and make them feel like they've spent their time well. Great young adult literature is in one way or another always preoccupied with how do I find my place in the world? How do I survive this weird transition? What in the hell are consequences? And how can I possibly predict them? Because no matter how controlled, no matter how repressed, no matter how well theoretically communicated with people are, you cannot form accurate predictive maps without direct experience. And adolescence is that time that we have as, as a civilization set aside by keeping teenagers out of the workforce. We have collectively set this time aside for these people to take this time to figure out consequences the hard way. Because we don't give them any real guidance, and we don't give them training wheels before they're old enough for it to really matter. We try 14-year-olds as adults, for fuck's sake. So... The young adult literature that really resonates with the young adult target audience is those stories where the main character is out of his depth or her depth and has no idea what's going on, but has to step up anyway. And it's that journey of learning to step up and learning to cope with a world that's bigger than you are, that's bigger than you've been led to expect. That's what makes young adult literature work. Agreed. So that's what I got. Um, in terms of writing style, vocabulary, and really even content nowadays, unless you wind up doing hardcore porn in your young adult literature, 
you're not really going to run into trouble. In there, the objection isn't really going to be, oh my god, you have explicit sex in a young adult book. It's going to be, oh my god, you're showing people who are below the legal age of consent having sex with each other. Because everyone will get worried that you're encouraging adult readers to perv on the kids. So that's the hard line right now. In this culture, at this time, that's the line you must not cross. Everything else is pretty much acceptable if it's integral to the story, if you write it well. It doesn't mean that you won't have some groups of parents freaking out about one thing or another. It's too violent. It's too sexual. It displays too much rebellion. It's too sensationalistic. It glorifies drugs. All those things, people will still object to those things. They'll still try to get your book banned. But you're not going to get delisted from a platform for anything but crossing that pornographic or semi-pornographic line. So that's what I got for you. Thank you very much for the question. And we'll see you tomorrow. The Everyday Novelist is written by J. Daniel Sawyer and presented by J. Daniel Sawyer and Kitty McKeon and is produced by Artistic Whispers Productions Incorporated. The text is copyright 2021 J. Daniel Sawyer and the production is copyright 2021 Artistic Whispers Productions Incorporated. This podcast is released under a Creative Commons Attribution Non-Commercial No Derivatives License and all other rights are reserved to their respective owners. Join the conversation. Submit a question, leave a comment, or a creative death threat. Or find me at jdsawyeronminds.com or hit me at feedback at jdsawyer.net. We can't do it without you.